Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 16 of Sigh of the Storm. My name is Evan, and I am joined alongside my partner in crime, Mr. Brandon Ness, as we are here to hop into, I mean, it's not really a different episode, but, you know, it's it's different in the case. It's not a, it's not a preview. It's not a recap. It's a little bit of a recap. Um, but we're, we're just doing the Iowa State slash the Big 12 midseason review. So just to kind of preview, like, what this is going to look like for this episode, we're going to kind of have, like, a Iowa State segment, which we'll go over. We'll start with a recap of Texas, like a small one. We'll get into season stats, um, our midseason awards, and then we'll get into depth on a certain player um, that I think deserves a lot more attention than he should uh, nationally. And then we'll get into our Big 12 segment, which is just going over the Big 12 standings, how everyone's looking, then kind of how Iowa State's um, end of season should look or how we think it will look, um, and then the Big 12 championship prediction, and then just going in on the rest of the Big 12 and how we think they'll fare in bowl games, where they'll go, who makes it, etc. But we're going to go ahead and kick it off with a short recap of Texas. Since I've been talking for a while, uh, I'll toss it over to Brandon. He can kind of give his thoughts on uh, Saturday. Yeah, and that game on, on Saturday against Texas was really just it was a lot of improvement, but still a lot to work on. There's It's kind of been like the last four games, frankly, a lot of the same things. I think the offense took a major, major step forward on yep. Saturday. They actually had a pulse, yep. moved the ball up and down the field, scored a touchdown, which was strange to see. Um, scored multiple. Multiple. I mean, Jalen Noll was all over the place. Finally was, broke out, which I, is what we've been waiting for. Absolutely. It's really good to establish that, too, and then I think – Dimitri Stanley played well on the offensive side and defensively solid. I don't think it was as good of a performance, mostly just due to Texas's weapons on in the backfield. They're, they're just a really good offense. They're a really good offense. I think the running back was the game changer there. I think no doubt. Whichever team had the guy like Bijan or like Brees last year was the game. We got a taste of our own medicine in a sense of this is what Brees has been doing to, to other teams, specifically the last two years. Um, and we haven't really had to go against that, and now we kind of understand other teams' pain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's just one of those situations where when nothing's there, he still gets five yards, and yeah. that just keeps you on schedule ahead of the sticks. And that's a really big thing when you're an offense like Iowa State and even more so an offense like Texas that I think the game changes dramatically if we don't throw that pick in the end zone and go yeah. up 14 nothing. But you do that, they get momentum, and they're a team that feeds off of momentum like no other. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those situations where there's definitely some. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to call it major, but there's still some big mistakes out there that if they get addressed, that game's completely different. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I feel like you know overall, I just felt like you know we all want the win, no doubt. But it was, and I know Brand's kind of brought this up. He's kind of sick of the moral victories, as am I, but. In any case, it's a team that is trending in the right direction. The morale, pro- I mean, you know, they, they did lose, but there's probably still a bit of a morale boost going into the bye um, or going during this week uh, and going into Oklahoma. Like, they've been in every single game. You can maybe throw Baylor out of the equation a little bit, but they still end up only losing by one score. Like, at the end of the day, they had a shot for an onside kick. Um, so they've been in every game. It's a very young team. Um, and I hate, I feel like that's going to be the crutch all year long. That's what we'll talk about. I'll be like, like Brandon said this multiple times, like, man, we're going to look back at the end and be like, oh, we should have won more games. 
and then Rolex can say, well, it's because they were young and they just need experience. And like, well, that is true. I, I just don't want that to be the crutch we use all season long. Yeah, and I, Iowa State is one of those teams where it always seems like a situation where you have an on year or two and then you kind of have like a reset. They're not talented enough to win with a bunch of true freshmen out there, and I think we're seeing that this year. It's one of these things where I think we're going to be kind of underrated going into next year, and I don't want to harp on that too much just yet because we're only halfway through this year. But Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where we're not exactly showing how good we are because we're not an 0-4 team in any other conference in America. No. Even if you look at the SEC, there's teams like Vandy and Missouri. Missouri and, I mean, Florida's not that great. Like so, it'll be like similar situations to where you're playing like in like the SEC, like you'll play some of those like bigger schools, like where the like they will have the talent, but they're not necessarily great attitudes. Chemistry might might not be there. It's it's just it's that kind of stuff where you see that a lot. They're very similar to comparison, and it's funny because they're going there, but it's Texas. And I mean, it's true. Like you compare a lot of those SEC schools, like. You can even look at, like, LSU. Like, I don't think their record is – I don't think they're as good as their record is, honestly. Um, the Big 12 is the only conference in America where you literally don't have an off week this mm-mm. all year. No. I mean, you look at the Pac-12, they're just not very good outside of the top three or four teams. Big 10, you got Rutgers, Nebraska, that's always going to be bad. Maryland, Indiana. Right. I mean, it's just kind of one of those Western, things that just... I think the ACC is actually improved, but – Overall, you just don't get an off break. And then with a young team like we have this year, it's just you would have liked this to come two weeks earlier, but it doesn't. And it sets you up pretty good to win some games down the line now that you have it this week and you can get some guys healthy that haven't been healthy the whole season really since that Iowa game. Yeah. Um, But I'll start to move on from that. If you guys want to hear more in-depth, on that game, if you're still interested in it, I know you guys are hearing this on Thursday. You might be, you're probably well past the Texas game, which hopefully we didn't spend too much time on that because I'm sure most of you guys are done with it. But uh, there is a full length episode um, available, it's episode 15. So make sure to go ahead and check that out. But we'll hop over to the season stats. Um, so starting with the quarterback, um, Hunter Deckers this year is throwing, he threw, he has thrown for. 1,843 yards on a 67, almost 68% completion percentage for 13 touchdowns and 7 picks. Um, Might as well throw in his running game. 50 for 34 and 2 touchdowns. He's been sacked 15 times for a loss of 106 sack yards, which goes into his rushing account. So, you know, um, I feel like we've seen at times the redshirt sophomore and like in a sense of like so there's there's two sides to that we've seen the the redshirt sophomore in terms of like he's been in the program right and i think the texas game is a great um thing of that and in the iowa game he just looked like a veteran right and he just made those reads i mean you can take out like a couple of those picks right in both games but it really felt like he like you could it seemed like he had been in the program for a while um, but then you have games where it's like, you know, he feels freshman-ish in a sense of, you know, it's his first, like, game action. Um, but overall, um, I feel like he's he's been – he hasn't been bad. You know, there's there's much worse quarterbacks. We're not mm-hmm. – and we're not trying to harp on you guys because uh, you guys have it the worst. But, like, situation with, like, Iowa where it's just, like, you're – what's the upside, right? <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah. it's stuff like that. So we can't complain too much. I really think he hasn't been 
that bad. I think he's been a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. He's had his good spots. He's had his bad spots. But overall, um, I think there's been times where he's he's definitely been like, you know, you go down the line and it's like, is Ashton Cook or Rocco Beck going to be like putting this team in any better spots? Definitely not. So yeah. I feel like he's had a pretty good season. Hasn't been amazing, but uh, it it hasn't been bad. Yeah, and I think with him, it's what's been really cool about this season for him especially is you are watching him grow every single game. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest example of that, and it works perfectly because it's the most recent game, is just Texas. He was actually mo- using his feet to move the ball, making plays for himself, and that's something he didn't really do outside of the first game and the third game when you're playing defenses that aren't exactly on par with Big 12. So it's it's really good to see him continue to grow and it doesn't really seem like he's getting frustrated too much when he's making mm-hmm. mistakes or anything it seems like he's kind of shrugging it off he's a very emotional guy on the sidelines you might seem get frustrated with himself but nothing that seems to like carry over to the next drive or anything and that's something that's really big with the quarterback position that's just that short-term memory yeah. get over the play it's it is what it is and and there's definitely things for him to work on, but I don't think he's the sole reason we've lost any games. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll go to the running back room, which through the first three games, it looked like it was, you know, all right. Like, again, we've said this in many episodes. We were not expecting someone to come in here and beat Brees Hall, right? Because that is just – you can't ask for that. Um, but it's the first three games, and now you take that with a grain of salt. You played Southeast Missouri State in Ohio – the Iowa one was way more impressive in a sense. That's a really good defense, especially against the run. Like, they play that stuff in the Big Ten a lot. Um, so, like, after that Iowa game, I was sitting here like, all right, Gyro, all right. Um, and, you know, he's been banged up a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, it still hasn't been great. It's certainly, um, I, in my opinion, this and the offensive line have been the worst spots of the offense this season. Um, but I'll quickly go over stats. So Jirel has 80 carries for 398 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Deion Silas has 46 yard or 46 carries for 165 yards and two touchdowns. Um, obviously, a lot of that's come from the last three games. Um, and then Eli Sanders has 28 for 82. Cartavius Norton 10 for 37. Um, and then you know, as I mentioned, Deckers has some. Jalen has one carry. Rocco had one carry. So. Um, but your your main thing is you look at the four backs. In my eyes, it's really three, almost two. And I mean that in a sense of, you know, I think they've struggled to get Eli going. And you can tell there were, that Dion has a step on step up on him. But then I think it's also probably clear Cartavius has a step up on Dion. And, you know, Norton's a freshman, so... He's trying to evolve into the college game, but I really do think your two guys are Cartavius and Jirel. Unfortunately, both those guys are hurt, which good thing it's to buy. Hopefully they can get healthy. Um, but mostly in terms of, like, carries, really it's been two backs in Jirel and Dion. Yeah, and I mean, especially with this year's offense, which is a little different, it's not just sit back there and hand it to Brees until it doesn't work like it was last year. This is kind of a thing where you're in the more air raid style, and the running game just gives you that extra threat, and it makes the defense respect that, and it opens up the pass game for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing with them, and a lot of it's due to injuries, but we're still last in rushing offense in the Big 12, and that's not going to win you any games if you're like that because it's very predictable that you're going to throw the ball 50 times like we've seen a lot this season. We're averaging 3.3 a carry. 
That's not going to cut it. Six no. touchdowns. That's the last in the league by six touchdowns. So, there's, I don't want to harp on it too much, but if this team is going to win games, the running offense needs to improve a lot. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, I really do believe, um, by the time we get to Oklahoma, I do expect a definite growth in the sense of, I don't know if they'd be 100. They'd certainly be closer to it. I think Artavis and Jirel should both be probably close to 100. Okay, we never are really going to know the status of these injuries to their full extent here at Iowa State because Campbell doesn't like... You find out about February 2nd what these guys were dealing with all year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think of Mike Rose. It was something where he dealt the entire season long and we just didn't know. Or it's, you know, guys end up having surgery. Like, wait, what? He was hurt? Yeah. Or it's... So... We're never really going to know what the extent of it is. I really do. Jirel let me might be more of a situation where his is like could be something like a Mike Rose where it's like, oh, so it was like actually bad. Um, Cartavis does really feel like this bye week should help him as long as he doesn't get hurt in practice. Like I feel like he should probably be really close for 100 against Oklahoma. Yeah, he was the same guy when he was out there against Texas. He was the yeah. same type of runner. He only got six carries, but you could tell he was running at 100% even if he wasn't actually at 100% injury-wise. Yeah. Um, so I do think there'll be improvement, but without a doubt, it's definitely been a unfortunate part of the offense so far this year. Again, like I said, we expected a downgrade, but it, you know, to win games in this conference, especially this year, it can't be at this level. And I think that has been a big testament to why uh, they are on four right now. Um, but we'll move on to the receivers. Xavier freaking Hutchinson. 67 catches, 758 yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, he has been an absolute monster. <clears throat> uh, he's just, like he's just been incredible. Um, and then your wide receiver two has been Jalen Knoll again, as expected. 35 catches, 378 yards, two touchdowns. Not a bad season overall. Um, he finally got that breakout game last week, which was huge. Um, and then there really is a difference between three and four. Um, and Dimitri's your three, 19 catches, 223 yards, and a touchdown. Sean Shaw has 11 catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. That's a guy I'd like to see get utilized more. Yeah, I think that in the case of I say that there's a cut between three and four, mainly just because he hasn't seen the field. I mean, think of his only like real game action was when Stanley was hurt, and he played really well. He had like five catches for over 50 yards and a touchdown, and then we've just kind of been here like, yeah. And I think one thing I want to see going forward, especially since we're at this bye week point where you can kind of implement some new things on offense, get away from kind of the tight ends, double tight end sets. Mm -hmm. Utilize your wide receivers. The tight ends aren't blocking great anyways, so you might as well throw an extra guy out there that has the speed and can make plays on his own. And I think Sean Shaw is that guy. If you go to a four wide receiver set, which I'd be shocked if we do, frankly, but if you do that, you have a pure jump ball guy at 6'6". I guess your next best guy for that is X. Probably. And he's a guy that has to kind of be running these underneath routes because we don't have a ton of time and you need somebody that's your safety blanket. Yeah. Uh, but I like that you brought up the tight ends. I was just about to get into that. So Deshaun Kanika has been the main receiving tight end. He has eight catches, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. Then you do got to throw in Dean in there. He has four for 47 and a touchdown. And I guess we can give the, the rust bus a little love, five for 35, but he's in a little different case. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like this team, they definitely want to stick to the um, the 2-3 tight ends because it's worked so well in the past. And, 
you know, it's another situation. You're you're seeing this across the board at a lot of positions where it's like we expected a downgrade. Um, this one maybe to the like this was probably expected, um, like where the it would be at. But what I was more feeling was we would see this output, but I would have expected like different packages, and it's just been the same. And they're just trying to get the same level, not not necessarily like the same level of production, but just enough production to. <clears throat> be able to run their same formations. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's fair to probably mix up Hanukkah and Dean every now and then, but Hanukkah's certainly probably your only tight end that should really, really be going out for routes. And then they just got to find ways to utilize Russ as like more of a fullback than anything at this point, which he really was last year even. He got put in a difficult situation just for the start of this year. The offense completely changed overnight, and he's a guy that all of his passing yards at least are just off of that play action game it's a play action slip out of the backfield that, i so. mean that's all he that's all he needs to do and i guess other than that he had like one random fade in the end zone and <laughs> that should never happen again. that should never happen and he's not that guy so uh he's really just in there to pass block at this point which is big because our tight ends haven't been doing great and when you have a guy like silas back there who can't really hold his own you got to have somebody else back there that can kind of be a somewhat resemblance of an offensive lineman. Yeah. And not like, you know, he's not, he's not a running back, but like if he were ever to like get a shot at the next level, he'd be spotted at a fullback. So like, so like, like we don't go under center. This is asking for a lot out of the offense, but like a fullback dive or something like that. I don't know. Like just feels like, maybe try to utilize him in a little more ways. But, again, he definitely thrived off of the formations that we've seen at Iowa State since 19, the last three years especially. Um, but I do think they got to figure out what they want to do with the tight end room. I think it's certainly okay to have two tight end sets every now and then, but it certainly should be more of a rotation, and you're seeing Hanukkah more on passing downs, Dean more on blocking, even though he hasn't been a great blocker. But he can still go out for uh, passes and stuff like, you know, Russ is more of a heavy package, a strong formation, stuff like that. But Yeah, and it, the thing I'm concerned about with the offense is just becoming stagnant like we've seen with a couple teams where you get into a system and that doesn't really work when you can't recruit the guys that you want to. You can't get the same kind of guy that you've seen the last couple of years with um, Allen and Kohler and Sainer. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, you have to adapt to the team you got, and I think that's something that I really want to see going forward instead of sticking with these jumbo sets that really have not been working and you've been playing good defenses like K-State and Texas is up there. So I think it's really just going to be big to be a little more creative and try to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. I think just overall, I think the big thing is they're not prepping for a game this week, and you mentioned this earlier, but hopefully they can kind of take a step back and review those packages. But we'll see. Probably not expecting a lot to change, but there's always a shot. They are on force. So they're kind of in more of a situation where they might need to change a little bit. Even though they've been in every game, they at the end of the day, they still have lost games. So maybe that will get the ball rolling for some change. But um, before we go on the defense, we'll do the offensive line. Now, again, there's not, like, straight-up s- stats. Um, you know, 15 sacks is the one that you can really say. 
Um, like, I don't have pressures on ESPN or QB hits allowed, stuff like that. Um, but it hasn't been good. It's just another Iowa State offensive line. Struggling to pass protect, not opening up great holes. Um, it's it's just it's more of the expected line at Iowa State. It, you know, not a ton has changed that on the actual offensive line side of things. I just think they're really missing Chase Allen right now. He was literally another offensive lineman out there. Yeah, and I think when you have six guys and you see a lot, teams are just blitzing us constantly because they don't think that Dykers can move, and he hasn't really proven to be able to move until this week so yeah. really you're gonna continue to see a lot of blitzes right up the middle and until we figure out some way to stop that with a screen or something like that i don't know if it's it's probably not going to change yeah um but moving over to the defense your leading your leading tackler this year is gary vaughn so props to him uh with 39 he's one and a half sacks um a forced fumble so he's done a pretty good job. Um, I, I think he filled in for Hummel's linebacker spot, I want to say. Um, so he's done pretty well. Um, Orion Vance has been great. 37 tackles, one and a half sacks, three force fumbles, a fumble recovery. He's been the captain and the leader of the defense that we expected him to be. Great season for him. Anthony Johnson, 37 tackles, three passes defended. A pick, a forced fumble, um, three passes defended as your middle safety, and That's thirty-seven insane. tackles as your middle as yeah. your middle safety. It's and right behind him in tackles is Bo with thirty-four, um, and he's got a pass defended as well. So the safeties has been great. Uh, there's certainly a bit of a drop off in terms of tackles, not a lot, um, but I think you know you can kind of look at those. Gary, Orion, Anthony Johnson, and Bo, they have been, like, just your troopers in the run game, honestly. Um, they've they've been the big things. Now, obviously, you don't want to see it come down to Bo and Anthony, but they haven't allowed anyone to get past them. You know, if it gets no. to them, they shut it down, and they're making sure no one's ripping one home for a long way. So they've been really good they've been your best tacklers not only by statistics but just overall have been really good and you could tell when Bo went out of the game against Baylor mm-hmm. so that's a that's your sign that he's really important back there especially as a safety and you saw it a lot against Texas with Bijan running at you mm-hmm. they didn't miss tackles I think he never really broke a long one I don't mm-hmm. feel like no. um, that's all credit to them because the linebackers weren't exactly stopping him after five yards no um, but a couple names I want to throw out on the defense. Um, I'll kind of make note of all three levels of the defense. We'll start on the D-line. Um, you know, the name we have to bring up because it was the name of the defense going into the season, Will McDonald. Um, definitely underperforming, but I don't necessarily blame that on him. Uh, so he does have 18 sacks. Or, sorry, 18 sacks. Sorry, no. Twelve, eighteen 18 tackles. Uh, three and a half sacks, two passes defended, which that's where you give him credit where he's kind of doing what he needs to do at this point. He also has a fumble recovery. Um, three and a half sacks when he's getting doubled, chipped, tripled. I mean, he's doing everything he can. He's been good in the run game. Like, the stats don't look great, but I can tell you he's definitely, without a doubt, made such an impact because if you don't think 
maybe the first thing they start with every week for an opposing team preparing for our defense is the name Will McDonald. I mean, people are scheming around him. They're moving pocket away from him. They're throwing it quick because of him. They're tripling him. They're sending doubles and chips. Like, they're completely game-planning around Will McDonald. His stats are not showing how well he's playing. Um, you know, the sacks have been able to show us or, like, tell us in a sense of statistics that, man, he's had a good year. But I can tell you without a doubt he's been good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think really for him, he's a decoy most of the time because mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to fight through triple teams unless yeah. they really screw up. But he's affecting the play in the run game, which he struggled a little bit with last year. So I think that's a major step forward for him. And part of that is they moved him more inside of the line. He's he's still an edge, but... They're, they're playing him inside as well, yeah. I mean, they have him lined up over the center at times, and that's a complete change. And I think part of that is getting him ready for the NFL. You're going to be dealing with bigger guys. You're going to have to go up the middle a little bit. Yeah. So I think... A lot of what we're seeing with him, I don't think his draft stock has really plummeted that much, to be honest. I think a lot of it... Probably won't be a first-rounder, but... No, and he probably wasn't going to be going into the year. No, that was more of a, they were going to make a statement, like, if he got... He'd have to, like, lead the country in sacks. Yeah. um, But another name I'll throw out there is MJ Anderson. Great transfer. He has one sack. Feels like he has more than that. He's in a lot of plays. Yeah. Uh, But he's been good. Those have been your two main D-line guys. Um, as for the linebackers, you know, we mentioned O'Ryan and Gary Vaughn. Um, I think we have to, like, split the talk between, you know, Reader's been all right. 28 tackles, that's the fifth on the team. He's one and a half sacks, two picks, two passes defended, a fumble recovery. Um, he's been good, but he's hasn't been adjusting. great in Big 12. Yeah. Um, and I was listening, I didn't get to finish it, but I was listening to Chris Williams and Brent Bloom's podcast, Cyclophanic, which I just want to say, I know I don't get a lot of view or listeners on here, um, but seriously, if you guys have the time or want another podcast to listen to, go listen to those two guys. They are great. There's so many times I'll listen to that and I will, um, you know, take some of the stuff they say and I'll implement it on our podcast. Like, just those two complement each other great. They're just awesome guys to listen to. So go ahead and check it out. Cycled Fanatic on whatever. I'm not trying to plug for them. There's no sponsorship here. I'm just um, – I, I just love the, those two guys. And um, But one of the stuff they were saying on their stuff, the, re, the recap for Texas, is they were talking about how the defense looked faster without Reader, but it's also at the same time it's probably better with Reader in a sense of, you know, the veteranness, But – um, you know, he's been he's been all right. I think he's been what we were hoping going into the season that he'd be with. He's a starter. He's a leader. And he's somebody that's not going to make big mistakes. I mm-hmm. think he's a little limited to getting to the edge against a team like Baylor who has speed on pretty much every position. And we saw that a lot. We, I think we would have seen it against Texas if he was out there. But the defense is no question better with him. I think Texas ran up the middle for a reason. And Reader wasn't in there, and mm-hmm. you could tell. I don't think a lot of those players, a lot of those running plays, get to the second level with him in there. Um, all of the freshmen still have a little ways to go, development-wise, both physically and mentally. And I think we saw that a lot in the game against Texas. Yeah, and then I'll make a quick note because I know we've gone on for stats a little bit, and like, like we mentioned the stats, we're really mainly talking about the guys and talking about how they're doing so far in the season. But to rack up the secondary, there's three guys uh, I really want to talk about. Those being the cornerback duo of TJ Tampa and Miles Purchase, and then Jeremiah Cooper. 
I'll start with Cooper just in the fact that true freshman starting safety, starting at safety, he's got 25 tackles, pass defended. Um, he's been pretty good. Um, Miles has done pretty well as well. 19 tackles, two passes defended. Um, you know, they definitely go after Miles a little more than TJ. Um, but overall, I feel like Miles has been really solid. And maybe the surprise player of this entire team is TJ Tampa. Absolute lockdown corner, like le- legit. 23 tackles, three passes defended. Um, and the pick against Iowa that Reader got was solely because of TJ. I mean, he dove and it popped in the air. And if you look at the first drive against Texas, made an incredible diving play, coming back, like recovering with his speed, made a diving attempt at the ball, swatted it out from, I think it was Worthy. So he's been amazing. I feel like the secondary has been, um, we knew there was talent. We didn't know how it was going to play out, but I feel like it's been maybe the strong suit of the defense. Yeah, and I think the biggest question mark on the defense coming into the year was who's going to replace Anthony Johnson, and he has done that and probably more than anybody expected. So no real concern there. I think even with purchase on the opposite side, it's not like he's getting a ton of PIs or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's I can't remember maybe one or two. I think yeah, the biggest thing for him, was really dumb either as well. Yeah, but. there's a couple of questionable calls on there, but I'm I'm not going to get into the officiating no. this week. It's a bye week. I'm not going to stress myself yeah. out. But nonetheless, I think the defensive backs have been everything and more that we wanted coming into the year. And when you're playing in the Big Twelve, you're going to see a lot of high powered offenses and. You're going to see another one coming in here in two weeks. So I think just having those guys back there have been really big. And the biggest thing for the young guys is just turning around on those jump balls. Mm-hmm. That can be an issue if teams exploit that. That's really just the biggest thing going forward for them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so we won't make a huge note for these because we've kind of been going on stats. We'll give like a quick brief explanation of this, but they're all pretty um, – they're not really shocking by any means, but we have midseason awards starting with newcomer. I'm pretty sure this is both the same. Um, I have MJ Anderson. Yeah. You okay? That one's just uh, he's done a. You know he hasn't been any, but we weren't expecting that. But we needed someone to fill the shoes a little bit. Um, and although the pressure hasn't been great in terms of the D line, I felt like he's been back there in a couple times. Like maybe he just misses it or they get it out before he gets them. When he's back there or when there's pressure, he's the one that's back there most of the time. Yeah. So he's been a huge pickup and then defensive. I honestly felt like this was more than deserving to do a co-defensive midseason player of the year right now. That's between TJ and Orion Vance. Um, You know, we mentioned, I just mentioned this TJ been being probably the surprise player of the entire team. We just went in depth on him. He's been locked down. He's been amazing. Um, and as we talked about earlier about Orion, captain of the defense, like basically quarterback of the defense, um, you know, second in tackles, just all over the board in terms of tackles, sacks, passes defended, forced fumbles, like just he's been doing it all. So those are my defensive guys. It's hard to argue pretty much anybody else on the team. I think Anthony Johnson can be in the conversation. Yeah. And switching positions is tough on anybody. So I think that's the reason he's not. I think if he's still at corner, he's – probably the guy could you imagine uh anthony johnson tj tampa i mean you but, got th- but then it's but then it's like the safety there's going to be stuff over the top right, right. so and you play in the big 12 so you have to got have a guy back there and you lose a sheen last year so you have to have somebody fill in there that has experience yeah. and i think bo is probably the guy going forward past yeah. this year um but i mean 
MJ was a huge pickup, like you said. Just having somebody opposite of Will was a big thing coming into the year, and we have that question answered. And I think just some other newcomers on the defensive end is Dominique Orange looking forward. He's got to be the guy that can step in at nose tackle and be yeah, for sure. that Isaiah Lee type of guy. Yeah. Um, and then offensive, and I said slash MVP of the entire team because it's hard this, to argue against it. Xavier Hutchinson. Um, this okay. So the next thing I had, and I mentioned this earlier, is going. We had. To, I didn't want to say the name right away, although you guys probably could have guessed. But um, I want to talk about Xavier Hutchinson nationally. Um, I have the stats pulled up. Um, it's not. This isn't a Iowa State bias. Xavier Hutchinson is legitimately. One of, and I'm saying this right now, one of, if not the best, receiver in the country right now. Now, I know there's probably, you guys are kind of clouded by the Texas drop right now, or the K-State 4th and 7, or the one in the end zone versus Kansas. Like, I get those plays. And if if I'm making the statement that he is the best receiver in college football, without a doubt, he needs to make those plays. But no one else is feeling it more than Xavier Hutchinson. Like, he probably put that Texas loss on himself even though it's not at all at him because there's plenty of other opportunities to win that game. But, like, I'm just going to list off the stats. 67 receptions, leads the country, um, and behind him is Charlie Jones at 62, so that's funny. Uh, (laughs) Just another insult to injury for Iowa. Um, Yards, he's at 758, which is fifth in the country, only behind Trey Palmer at Nebraska, someone at Old Dominion, kid at Tulsa and a kid at SMU. So you kind of throw out three random ones and Trey Palmer's just there. Um, and then touchdowns five, which isn't like a huge number. Uh, I don't think he's got one in the Big 12 yet. I don't think so, but... That's yeah, not a huge yeah. thing. I mean, but like, when like I said, like he is number one in receptions and he is top five in receiving yards. And again, this is another thing from chris and brent's podcast but i think brent said something along the lines of like he's on pace for 120 receptions and like 1400 yards or something which would shatter both single season reception records which is set by him last year uh the single season receiving is was hakeem butler so like he would shatter both those records and like i don't think right now it's unreasonable to say that he should be it's in new york right the Blitnikoff Award ceremony? I think so. Okay, we're just say this. I think he, this kid, this guy, he's not a kid. Xavier Hutchinson needs to be in New York for the Blitnikoff ceremony. If he doesn't win, like if they give it to someone like, I don't know, Jalen Hyatt, which he's still a good, I mean, like I'm just throwing an example. Like a lot of times you see the rewards going to the team that's doing, like their team has to be doing well as at the same time, which is kind of sucks. But you see that. Like I just think without a doubt he needs to be there because – he went from probably a fourth round draft pick last year. We're we're saying it right now. He could he could be like it I don't know how many I don't think the receiver class is amazing this year. And guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't really played a lot, hasn't been that good. Kayshawn Boo is like non existent. Like he could legitimately be a first round pick or something like Brees where he gets taken in the second. Like I think he's a high draft pick. I think I think in my opinion, he's probably the best receiver in college football right now. I think, yeah, it's hard to argue against it, and he's doing it as the undisputed number one guy on our team. Yeah. There's not I mean, really er, uh, the, I'm, like, sorry, I cut you off real quick. I'll say this real quick, and we'll get back to you. But, like, when I when I said earlier that 
Everybody games plans for Will. Well, that's the same thing, but probably a little more for Hutch. I mean, th- their sole attention is on him, and then they can't stop him. That's a little different uh, situation where, like, the Will. Like, Hutch is still, like, getting all the stuff, and he's just, like, in your face. I'm like, he, like he's just, he gets it done. Yeah, and it, the best example is probably the Texas game of just total domination, and as soon as he gets the catch, he's getting absolutely pounded over yeah. the middle. So it's it's amazing that he's holding on to the ball, and I think the obvious thing is just to look at the drops right now, but a lot of that is just due to exhaustion. He's getting targeted 20 times a game. Yeah. And it's amazing what he's doing, and I did pull up the Bolitnikoff is in Tallahassee this year. Okay. Well, I don't know why, but it is. Either way, I, I, just, I feel like I, I've been waiting to say that, and I wanted to give him some more time on that than it, than we've really had. I think a lot of people are looking at those drops right now, but he's one of, if not the best receiver in college football right now. But, um, yeah, we're going to get into the Big 12. Sorry, this is going a little longer. Whenever me and Brandon talk about stats, it seems to go for a while, so I apologize. But I'm trying to, we're trying to, like, keep the length a little bit, like, trim it down just a little bit to take off some of the fat that maybe we repeat ourselves of. But we'll we'll try to get through this a little bit fat. Not We're not going to rush it, but hopefully it doesn't take too long. But... Uh, getting into the Big 12 standings, um, I'll go down the line. So TCU's first, K-State in second, Texas in third, Okie State in fourth, Kansas in fifth, West Virginia sixth, Baylor seventh, Tech eight, uh, Oklahoma nine, and Iowa State Cyclones tenth place. Just as everybody expected, we'd be fighting with Oklahoma. Just For, didn't expect last. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been... A wild year in the Big 12. Um, you know, I, the fact that TCU and K-State are your top two teams right now, at least in terms of record. I don't know if that holds up down the line. I don't think so. Um, but it, it's just a weird, weird year. Like, you're going to see a team probably, like, in my opinion, I don't think K-State's up there. They're probably a top five team for sure but in the Big 12. But like They got a lot of big games left. Yeah. TCU, Texas, and Okie State, one of them's going to end probably 10-2. Probably. It's got to be. But, I mean, ultimately, if you want to look Iowa State-focused and going forward, the biggest thing for us is the bottom five teams all have one loss. We're not alone in struggling to start the year. If you get a loss and everybody else with you falls, you're right in position to get fifth or sixth in the conference. Yeah. It's, you're not completely out of it yet. Being 0-4 hurts, but pick up a win, and then you rattle a couple of you off, and you're not out of it. You're still in decent position to get to a bowl game. So as much as it hurts starting off this slow, and we haven't seen it for a couple of years now, there's still a lot to prove for this team and you can see that they're improving a lot week to week. Yeah. Well, the thing I was going to talk about when I brought up that 10-2 thing was, and Brandon brought this up to me not too long ago, he said, like, this is a conference full of, like, 8-4 and four to 6-6 six and six teams. But there's going to be a team that ends up looking like they're 10-2. and two. It's just, it's just, like, in comparison to, like, some of the other conferences, like, this is a full of, like, really – like, they're solid teams, but they're not, like, if somehow, like, well, one of them's going to make the New Year's Six, because, you know, whatever, but, like, it just, it's they're, it's not like, uh, 
you know, in Oklahoma in past years where even if they didn't probably belong in the playoffs outside of the 2017-2018 Oklahoma Sooners, like, there just isn't that, like, real dominant force in the Big 12. And maybe TCU is, or maybe Oklahoma State is, and maybe Texas is. I don't know. But it's full of really good teams. I think, like, just going off of what Brandon just said, like, I mean, when you look at their final games for Iowa State, three of them are teams in the bottom five. All three of those are in Ames. Um, And then you have two road games left, both of those being the first-place team and the fourth-place team. But, like, you know, I don't think Oklahoma's ninth. There's not a single game left that you go in there and think we're definitely going to lose this game. I think the one that's most like that is probably Okie State. Yeah. Just because of the style they play and we have just no matter how good the team, uh, No matter how good our team is, we, like, just struggle with Oklahoma State. Yeah, and we've had success against TCU as of late. So it's it's hard to know, especially TCU being the last game of the year. You have no idea what the mentality is. You mm-hmm. brought this up to me this week sometime. Like, we could be 5-6, and six and that's the way to get into a bowl game. Obviously, you're going to be getting up for that game more than you would for a game on – November 5th, whenever this next game is. Yeah. Um, but, no, I think, like, when you look at Iowa State's schedule, right, um, Oklahoma's definitely a winnable game. It'll be, I think, it'll be, like, kind of similar to Texas in a sense of, like, around 24 points will probably be how much the defense lets up because it's a good offense. But then their defense is horrendous. Like, it's just really bad. Um, but the, eventually Oklahoma's going to hit their stride. I'm really hoping the Kansas one didn't spark that. I think we're hitting them at a bad time, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I think they actually have momentum now, and their offense looks to having it figured out. They got Gabriel back. And now they get a bye. Right. But at the end of the day, we're 0-4. I mean, we're both fighting. It's in Ames. Unfortunately, it's 11 a.m., so the energy's not going to be great. But either way, that's certainly a winnable game. Then you follow that up with West Virginia, which without a doubt, in my opinion, has got to be a win. Especially after what happened last year. you got to start winning home games at this point. Well, I mean, the simple answer is this. I mean, it's not really simple because they're still, like, honestly 50-50 games at this point. But, like, you have three games left in Ames. Win those, and you don't have to worry about anything else. If you go 6-6, six and six, I don't care. We can go to the freaking... Quick lane bowl. Yeah, anything. I don't care. It could be the most random thing ever where we're playing on, like, December 17th, like, right when we're final weeks is done. It's before Christmas for, like, I don't care. I just want to get to six. And if you're an Iowa State fan, you want to get to six. That's all you can really care about right now. But I certainly think this team has the talent. And once you get guys back healthy, like, they can rattle off three, maybe four wins. That's kind of pushing it, but I think once the confidence gets going, it's you have the talent there. You've ha- you've been in the position to win every game. It's just pulling them out in the end. Yeah, um, but overall, I, I definitely think this Iowa State can make a bowl game, whether that happens or not. Because we just fall in a one-score game and we hit five and seven, which unfortunately could be a very strong possibility. Yeah, and real quick, I just want to highlight on the new Big Twelve members. And the real thing of this is it's not going to get any easier going forward. Cincinnati, one loss. Houston, three losses, but they're kind of like Texas where they have all the talent in the world. Yeah. And then BYU, three losses, but their losses are to ranked Oregon, Notre Dame, powerhouse, Arkansas, 
going in the right direction. They yeah. have all the talent. And they in the beat world. and they beat Baylor. Correct. So they're not. They're kind of like us, where they're not what the record says they are. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you have to. I think those teams are going to struggle when you're entering a Power Five conference for the first time, and you don't get to feed on a team like South Florida. You don't want to bring up the Golden Knights, though. Uh, yeah, I really don't. <laughs> they're my least favorite team that we added, but UCF is five and one. They haven't really played anybody. Yeah, but no. Overall, it's not going to get any easier. Um, it's going to be a very. It you could this could be like the new norm of the Big Twelve is a meat grinder league for a while now. I this I think is, that's what they're aiming for. And you honestly, want to be the most entertaining conference because you're not going to be the best. No, and I mean honestly, like if you can kind of get some of these coaches to stay, like at this point, Matt's not going anywhere for a while. Um, I think Fickle likes Cincinnati. I think Aranda likes Baylor. Um, Gundy's going to be there until Gundy's done. Um, I think Kleiman really likes K State. Lance Leopold is a situation we don't know of yet. You know, this is he'll get some offers. Well, that that'll be a testament after this year. But depending what offers he gets and if he stays, like that sets a tone. Um, I think uh, what's his name, Joy McGuire Tech. Like that's probably his like dream job. Like he's just never gonna go anywhere else. And so like, I think right now the teams that are staying, a lot of these coaches are in it for the long run. I think maybe even Sony Dykes is a guy that would stay at TCU for a while. Like, I just think... I think the coach that's most on the hot seat right now is at Oklahoma, which is really bizarre considering they just hired him. But if yeah. they lost to Kansas, I think he got fired that week. Yeah, probably. Um, but overall, like, you look at the teams coming into the Big 12, the teams staying in the Big 12, a lot of these coaches are going to stay. And I think you're going to see this being similar throughout the course. And it's just going to turn into a lot of one-score games, but... It'll be fun to watch. Um, but we'll go into quick championship game predictions and then bowl game predictions. <sighs> For my championship game, I still don't know if I'm sold on TCU yet or not. I don't know if I'm sold on them either, but at this point they're undefeated. So they sure. have a they took significant step on everybody else. Yeah. Um, I don't mm, love Texas. I just think them already being at one conference loss... Someone can get in with three, certainly, but they put themselves in a tougher spot. Yeah. Okay. I still don't know if I'm sold on TCU, but I'll go with a rematch of last weekend. I'll say TCU-Okie State. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I I think there's probably three teams that are running. It's TCU, Texas, and Okie State. It's just who can win those games. And right now, TCU has step one done right now. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State's definitely in there. And the second team is a complete toss-up. I can see Kansas State getting in there simply because their offense is so reliable. Mm-hmm. They don't really make mistakes. And their defense, really. Yeah, they're, they're just a, they're disciplined. They're disciplined. It's just the problem with them is looking forward, you got ranked TCU, ranked Oakie State, ranked Texas, Baylor, who is probably the most underrated team in the conference. Yeah. And then you finish it off with West Virginia and Kansas. So... Like everybody, every single game is a really big challenge, and they've already had their bye. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be in it. So I'm probably going to go with. I don't know. I don't like Texas or TCU that much, but considering TCU is the only team that's undefeated right now, I think it's going to be TCU Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, you know, if Oklahoma State loses this weekend, though, you can probably take them out of the equation. But that's almost probably the same for Texas. I mean, 
Whoever wins the Texas Oki State game might kick the other one out of the Big Twelve race because one of them is going to have two conference losses. Yeah. Um, but again, this is like so many teams are beating up on each other where someone could get in with three losses. But um, the final thing, we'll try to wrap it up kind of quick. So I think it went a little longer than we expected here. But bowl game predictions. Now, not I mean we can kind of give a prediction of like what game people will be in, but mainly the teams. I think at this point you have. Four guarantees, like 100% without a doubters. TCU, K-State, Texas, Okie State. Those in my eyes are without a doubt. Those four will make a bowl game. TCU already is making a bowl game. They have clinched it. But, like, um, probably then, like we're, like, we're talking about the championship game, like, probably a combination of TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas is Sugar, Alamo, Cheez-It, probably. Unless, like, some, I don't know, maybe K-State jumps one. Like, because sometimes they just pick people, maybe not based on their record. But there's other factors that go into it. It's not a straight, okay, you're 10 loss, you're 9 loss, we're going to pick the 10 loss. Or 10 win, not 10 loss. It's always something like, okay, we've seen it with Iowa State in the past. If you have fans that travel to bowl games that are going to make the city money, that's going to make the sponsor money, that's a big force that plays into the decision and then of course the leading decision maker is just the record but at the end of the day it's you got to get to six and a lot of these teams you look at the big 12 right now it's you either have six five or three and then oklahoma has four but they're in a weird position where it's it's on them at this point they have all the talent in the world to win out yeah but so we told you the four guarantees. Now to tell you who gets it and doesn't. Now this is what we will differ here because we've talked. We've kind of already talked about this, like just you know, not on the podcast. But um, I think Baylor gets in. Oklahoma's probably got a better. Hold on, Oklahoma's got a better shot than Baylor. So we'll put Oklahoma as the five team right now, probably. Yeah, and the big thing is only eight teams can realistically make it. Looking yeah. On the- history side of things yeah and then so i'll say baylor but i don't know the iowa state fan of me says that that we can win three games and we have three left so i'll say we make it but then that puts you in a weird spot seven teams get in which means one of them makes an at-large bowl which would suck and that's what we're talking about you're playing on a weird one at 17 on like december 17th or something i don't care anymore just get to six but my dream scenario is somehow Iowa State at six and six like jumps like Oklahoma or something and gets like goes to Memphis for the Liberty Bowl. That'd be an absolute dream considering how the season's gone, and I would love to go back to Memphis. Um, do I take Baylor out? I don't know. I think Liberty Bowl is definitely the goal at this point in the season, though. I think, I'll take guaranteed rate at this point. Over over like one on December seventeenth, I still want to make a bowl, but I'd rather at least make a Big Twelve bowl. Yeah, and I think it's definitely in the cards. But you're looking at ma- just making a bowl game. Yeah, you have to go three to five, which is definitely a fifty fifty swing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, going seven and five is possible, not likely. Yeah. So you're looking at an at large, unless you get into the guaranteed rate. And other than that. It gets sketchy with your bold predictions, but like you said, you just the goal is to get to six right now. Yeah, but I guess I'll I'll say this. So like, 
I have a firm belief West Virginia does not get in. I would agree. They're probably a four and eight team. They maybe get one more the rest of the way. Their schedule's brutal. Like they gotta go to a lot of places. Yeah. Like their schedule is brutal. Um, I think Tech goes five and seven probably. They just miss one. I don't have any trust in Kansas. I know you like Kansas. I know there's so many people who like Kansas. No one, not, not a people. A lot of people don't have anything against Kansas. I don't either. I just don't think they're that talented. They lost their quarterback. Like, I think they didn't deserve to beat us. Neither we didn't really deserve to win it either. But I, I don't think they played a good enough game to beat us. I just don't think Kansas is that good of a team. I think they're gonna end five and seven. I think they lose out after going five and zero. Like, I seriously believe that. I don't. I don't know what game left you can say they win because they like got They got to like go to Tech. I know that. They already played West Virginia, so then it's like at this point, what? They I think the remaining games are K State, which is in Manhattan, Texas, it's in Lawrence, so maybe they get them again. Um, Oklahoma State, I don't know where that's at. Baylor, I mean, I I just don't really see them winning one the rest of the way, but so Kansas Tech and West Virginia are my three that I say don't get in. Could probably throw us in there, but I'll I'll put us with a combination of us and Baylor. I think one of us goes six and six. One of us probably goes five and seven. Yeah, and I, I think every team's in the conversation, <coughs> at least in the bottom five at this point, to not make a bowl game. Where we're going to disagree, I think Kansas wins one more. It's hard to go five and zero and not win a single. They, they've game. They've done it the before. The they've done it before, but I mean, come on, they're going to win one more game. They're in every game pretty much. They can score. It's just at this point you got to win one more out of the remaining five for them. Uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna win one. I'm gonna have us going five and seven. I don't trust us to make a bowl game until we win a Big Twelve game. Frankly, um, I'm gonna have us with West Virginia and Texas Tech as the teams that don't make it. I think it could be a situation where we have five or four teams going five and seven. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day. Like 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 we've been saying, Iowa State has three games at home, so it's definitely more than possible. The Oklahoma one is without a doubt a must win, just because if you don't win that one, you're then forced to have to win one on the road. Um, and you don't like your odds against because they're two the good teams. Team. Yeah. Um. So Oklahoma is a must win. Um. But yeah, I think that's gonna wrap it up. We that was way longer than I expected, but it's all good. Um, hopefully, you guys did enjoy that one. Um, but I'll kind of end it here. So, if you guys don't already, make sure to go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Side of the Storm. Brandon brought this up to me. We're gonna start adding a link to Twitter in the description. I hope it works. I haven't like checked it yet, which is probably a good thing to check. But either way, go ahead and click the link down below if it does work. If not, just look up at Side of the Storm on Twitter. Shouldn't take you that long. People got fast thumbs nowadays. Um, but we just post a lot of additional content along with like all, like we'll notify you every single time a podcast is out and we just, you know, post our thoughts, put up polls, just all that, all that good stuff. So go ahead and give us a follow. We greatly appreciate that. Um, other than that, um, I put out a tweet, um, on Tuesday, which is the day we're recording it, because you guys listen to this on Thursday, that gave out a schedule for what this week will look like. We obviously posted the Texas reaction on Monday, um, and then you guys are listening to this one now. And then <clears throat> be ready for Sunday, 
Because this Sunday should be more of a fun episode where it's just kind of looking at the future of college football with realignment, transfer portal, uh, college football playoff expansion, just all that stuff. We're going to have some fun segments like design the power five, like pick your teams and stuff like that. So I'm really excited for that one. <clears throat> it should be a fun episode. But again, like I said, give us a follow on Twitter so you guys make so you don't forget about that. That's going up on Sunday if I didn't already say that. Just a, a fun thing to end your week on. Um, and I know probably not everyone's a huge NFL fan, so maybe on your way to, like, a pumpkin patch or an apple orchard. It could be the, the thing to listen to in the car. Uh, no, but other than that, guys, uh, we don't have a lot. I don't have a lot else to say. Anything you got to end it off, Brandon? Uh, that's all I got. Looking forward to the next podcast. That's one of my favorite topics is just looking at realignment. That's always really fun to look at what could have been and what can be now that we're in this period of realignment. So really looking forward to that one. Uh, but yeah, that's going to end it for episode 16. Like I said, if you guys did enjoy that, um, you know, I'll, I'll say this, uh, make sh- just try to go ahead and if you guys feel like it, maybe just give us a rate on Apple podcast review, something along those lines. Don't want to ask for that a whole lot, but all right, I promise I'm done now. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate that. Um, but until next time, roll clones, baby.